Well, it's so great to see all of you here today. We haven't met. My name's Terry Smith. I'm the lead pastor here at the Life Christian Church, and I'm just really thrilled that you're here. So thankful for all of you joining us via live stream. Today is a, is a special day uh, because today is Pentecost Sunday. And I think probably most of you know this, but just to locate you in time and to give a sense of the importance of this moment today, um, all the way back uh, in, I guess, late February, we, we celebrated Ash Wednesday and launched into the Lenten season. And that led us to Good Friday, where we uh, reflected on what it means that Jesus Christ died for us and then on Sunday, Easter Sunday, what it means that Jesus Christ was raised for us. And then last week, we celebrated Ascension Sunday, which, um, you know, 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus ascended to heaven, and he sits now on uh, a throne reigning over the universe and uh, inviting us to participate in actually bringing his kingdom, his rule, into the realities of our everyday life in this world. Well then, um, depending on how you count it, uh, actually the math confuses me a little. I've tried to figure it out, I just can't. Seven to ten days after the resurrection, uh, his followers were doing exactly what he asked them to do, which was to go and to wait in Jerusalem for, for the promise of the Father. He said, you're going to be clothed with power from on high. And on a a, a very prominent feast on the Jewish calendar, which at that time was simply called Pentecost, meaning 50 days after uh, Passover or 50 days after Good Friday for us, the Holy Spirit came and um, baptized uh, those followers of Jesus, and um, uh, people experienced the Spirit of God in a a way that had never been experienced before. Now, obviously, the Holy Spirit had been active, but something new, something different happened. It's what Jesus promised. It's what Jesus said that the Father promised. And so today, just like we've celebrated all of the other major uh, 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 moments of this season, today we celebrate Pentecostal. And this is a very special morning. I'm so privileged today to be able to introduce a very dear friend of mine, Pastor Phil Muncy, who has become a great friend of our church and without a doubt one of our favorite guests here. Uh, There's nobody like Phil Muncy in the entire universe. He is one of a kind. You're going to love it. Uh, Pastor Phil uh, and his wife Jeannie, who we're so privileged to have with us this weekend, led a wonderful congregation in Los Angeles for many, many years, almost 30 years. And um, then moved from that to begin to pastor pastors. Uh, Pastor Phil leads a network of pastors called Champions Network, about 500 pastors and churches. Um, And uh, this is associated with Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas, the largest uh, single-site church in the in, well, the history of the United States, largest, largest single-site church uh, in the United States at this time, uh, which is pastored by Joel Osteen. And uh, Phil is a teaching pastor at Lakewood. He uh, uh, d- uh, does many of the Wednesday night services there. 
Um, he uh, has a, an interesting life, traveling all over, uh, speaking to churches, serving pastors, uh, representing Joel, being, a, uh, I would say without any doubt, uh, the, the chief consigliere to uh, Pastor Joel, uh, who looks to Phil for I- advice on all things. I think they speak every day. And um, Phil and Jeannie have been friends of me and Sharon for many, many years. We love them. I'll tell you how good friends they are. I don't know why I'm saying this. It has nothing to do with anything, but, you know, that doesn't matter to me sometimes, right? Uh, so typically when we have guests, of course, we put them in a nice hotel, treat them really nice, right? That's what you would want us to do. And the first couple of times they came, we put them in the Short Hills Hilton and treated them really great. And now when they come, we schedule the hotel, but uh, Jeannie always writes and says, we don't want to stay in a hotel, we want to stay with you. So they're such good friends that they're living with us. And uh, we're ha- we've been having a great time. We have a lot of fun together. Hey, guys, uh, I know we're still in the COVID in-person crowd mask realities, but would you, would you act like it's a packed house, and would you give Phil Muncie a great big giant welcome? Man. Thank you all. Soon we will hug again. Soon and very soon. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here. I almost recognize you, but it's such a great honor to be with you today, and I thank you. And I do travel a lot, and I come to churches, and and, and typically everyone wants to come and hear their pastor, and then when a guest is up there, it's like, okay. But I thank you for being welcoming and allowing us to be here. Real quickly, I want to say, uh, first of all, I'm I'm very happy to have my wife of 43 years in the room. Jeannie Muncy, would you please stand? Yep. And uh, somebody once asked me, what's it like to be married to somebody, the same person for 43 years? And I have no idea because she's been at least like seven different women in our uh, relationship. And, and I got the best version of her right now. So it's like really great. Love your pastors with all of my heart, covenant friends. And I just love everything about them and Christian Amanda and, and just you all. You're one of my favorite churches. I think this church represents uh, a unique culture and a uniqueness that I think uh, needs to be all across the nation and the world. So it's a great, great honor to be here. And, and I also just want to thank you because uh, I'm a part of a, a, of a movement to bring hope to this country through uh, the message of Christ uh, that uh, Pastor Joe gives to 20 million households every week. And you guys have always been a substantial part of helping us get that message out. We don't disciple people. We're just trying to get them in the door. And because of Champions Network, we've actually connected a million households to local Bible-believing churches. And that's where the real work takes place. What we're doing is fishes and loaves. And what you're doing is truly discipling people. And uh, that's what we love. So today... I want to talk to you about rule the air. And I'll explain it in a moment. Rule the air. It's about taking responsibility and recognizing the right we have to control our own world. 
And of course, being Pentecost Sunday, I'd like to read the text of Acts 2, where we are celebrating today. So in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord or one mindset. They were in a certain place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled, it filled the house where they were sitting. And then there were appeared unto them divided tongues of, as a fire that sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit of God gave utterance. And there you have the big bang of the beginning of the church. And Pentecost Sunday really is celebrated as the birth of the church. And like your pastor said, what does it mean, Pentecost? Actually, it doesn't have that complicated of a meaning. It simply means 50. But then 50 has a lot of significance. 50 meant the 50 days after Exodus. It meant to party. Hey, we're 50 days out of 400 years of slavery. Let's party. How many know there ain't no party? Like, yeah. So Pentecost was a, a, an eating festival party that every year... 50 days after the Passover, they would celebrate. But now, it was a little bit different because it was a fullness of Pentecost now. 50 also means the 50th or the acceptable year. So you know that every week there was a Sabbath, and the Sabbath was a time of rest to restore, to replenish your strength. And then every seven years, there was a rest year where you took the whole year off. That's what COVID was. <laughs> and you just take a whole year off and rest. That's when you just learned to trust that God would provide and that you just chilled. And that was really important. In fact, of the Ten Commandments, the commandment to rest is the key. Because if you break that, you don't really break the commandment to rest. It breaks you if you violate it. And if you keep the rest you'll be able to do the other nine. But if you're fatigued and tired and you lose your morale, you'll ultimately lose your morals. So rest is so important. 50th was when you had seven years and then you had a rest, then another seven, 49 years, and then the 50th was like the ultimate chill. And you rested for yet another year, the 49th and then the 50th. So the image of Pentecost means... Feast. It means acceptable before God. It means get rid of your debt that you have with one another. It means to rest, to chill, to just enjoy. It's a time to replenish, restore, renew. And that's what we are going to do. And tonight will give us that opportunity to spend a little bit more time to allow the Holy Spirit to refresh us, to renew us, especially during this journey of COVID. We need, there's been so much stress, so much pain, so much confusion. If you're not confused by all the facts, you haven't been paying attention. We just need rest. And the greatest thing we can give the Holy Spirit is some time, and that's what we'll do tonight. Because if you want to know what happened on the day of Pentecost, you have to pay attention to what happened the few days before it. 
Luke 12, Luke 24 tells us, for several days they were gathering, singing, and worshiping. So when people come together and sing and worship, the Holy Spirit's like, can I come? And we're like, yeah, we're going to wait. We're not going to be in a hurry. And then the Holy Spirit comes. And tonight he'll release his gifts, gifts of knowledge and wisdom and discernment and faith and the gift of miracles and the gift of prophecy. And these gifts will be released to you tonight. So be hungry, be prepared, and let's party. You'll be great. But if Pentecost is anything, it's personal. Because one of the most powerful things about Pentecost is that on this day, the Holy Spirit became personal. For the first time since the Garden of Eden, mankind now had access to the personal encounter with the Holy Spirit. Pentecost is not so much about the triune person of the Holy Spirit as much as it's about the experience. That's why Acts calls it it. It filled the room. The Holy Spirit is a person. But the baptism and the experience of the Holy Spirit is that, an experience. And it filled the room first. So the Holy Spirit steps into an external environment so that it can ultimately have liberty to come in. So on the day of Pentecost, there was external internal, eternal. External, it filled the room first. Internal, their minds were focused and they were in one mind, in one accord, thinking the right things. Then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Internal. I want you to see that pattern because now you see Pentecost, it's personal. This is what God desires to do in all of our lives. Because the scripture tells us that, in fact, we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, that may come across casual to you, but you have to understand that the idea that humanity could actually be a temple of the Holy Spirit, that's, that's like, what? That's like, are you kidding me? Jesus said it this way in Luke 10, 24. He said, kings and priests and prophets desired to have a personal Pentecost. And they couldn't. Hebrews 11 said they looked forward to the promise, but it was a far off. We get to experience it. In Corinthians chapter 3, Paul is writing and he was saying that even David, even some of the great writers of the Old Testament, though they were moved on by the Holy Spirit, they could not be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, Moses, how much more spectacular of a personal experience could you have than Moses, right? You've seen the movie? So like he sees the hand of God, he's writing the Ten Commandments, and he's experiencing something so glorious that the Bible says he had to put a mask on. in order that the glory that was on him would not blind the people. And yet, and yet, and yet, we're told that what we have is so much better that you shouldn't even compare the two. Yeah. 
That's a great place to say, wow. So, Phil, what are you saying? Are you saying that like all the kings and all the prophets and all the people that wrote the Old Testament, and, and, and are, you, are you saying David that had a man after God's own heart? Are you saying Moses that actually saw the hinder part of God, that he saw the hand of God, that the glory of God came on him so strong? Are you saying the parting of the Red Sea? You're saying all of that, all of that spectacular, and you're trying to tell me that what I have with my personal Pentecost is greater and more glorious than that? And so the sacredness and the miracle that somehow when Christ died on the cross and became the ultimate sacrifice once and for all, for all, that legally God prepared a way that though we are filled with mistakes and failures and, and though we are so human and though in many ways I don't know how we even deserve it but because Christ steps in and he's the mediator he absorbs our sin he absorbs our strife he absorbs any satanic oppression and intimidation and then we're able to boldly come before the throne of grace and receive this personal Pentecost. It's personal. It's a baptism. I have the Holy Spirit. I can't even come to God without the Holy Spirit. For no man comes but by the Spirit. And when I said Jesus is Lord, I didn't say that by my own uh, ability. I said it by the Holy Spirit. For no one can call him Lord but by the Spirit. But on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came up on them. And they experienced something that happened in a specific day, place, and time. And in this moment, it captured this external, internal, eternal connection with God. So when the Bible tells us, in Corinthians that we are the temple of God, then we have to have a tiny bit of knowledge of what the temple of God means. So the temple of God, just give you a really quick connection to it, the temple was that which God gave to Moses that when the children of Israel, and this is the scripture, do you not know that you are the temple of God? Say with me, please, I am the temple of God. Wow. And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, let's look at the temple of God real quickly because when God gave Moses the plan to establish the temple, or another word is the tabernacle, or another word is the meeting place, what he did was he set up a pattern, and the Scripture says this in Hebrews, and I may not be following my track, so guys, just try to follow me. If you can, there's a pattern to God's presence. This is described in Hebrews, the eighth chapter. Now, let me just give you a, a, a little, a little uh, encouragement about the book of Hebrews. In my opinion, the book of Hebrews is the Reader's Digest version of the Old Testament. Really. If you read the 13 chapters of Hebrews, you can pretty much understand everything you need to understand about the Old Testament in those 13 chapters. But in it, there is a pattern that Moses was told. All right, you, you want to get into my presence? Here's the pattern. 
And then the Bible says it this way, Hebrews 8. It says, who served the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle, for he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown to you. So let me show you quickly the pattern that Moses set up and what it looked like physically. So let's go to the screen and let me show you how this pattern played out in the children of Israel. So let's show that screen of the layout. Okay, you're going to see external there. So just this right here traveled with the children of Israel for 40 years. It was a mobile campus. And, and simply put, there was a gate around it that was about six feet tall. And then you'd enter into his gates, and then there was a court. And in that court was where the sacrifice took place. And then up next was where you would wash your hands. And then there was yet another tent. That tent was divided in two parts. The holy place, then the ultimate holies of holies. Let's see the other screen. And, and, and it'll kind of show you what I'm saying. So there's the gate, then the court, then the holy, then the most holy. Do you got that image in your mind? With that image in your mind, that's the pattern to how we rule the air. So the first thing you got to do is set up a gate. Because you have to set up perimeters so that not anything and everything can come in and out. Because if you're going to be a temple of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to actually be a steward of the Almighty creating the power and presence of God, you have to set up a perimeter so that not just anything and everything gets access to your holy place. This is what I call your external bubble. This is what I call rule the air. This is what I call the responsibility and the right to control the air. You are in control of your air. Get this image in your mind, a bubble. Can you see a bubble around me? It's about 10 feet tall, 10 feet in. And my grandkids used to go to a park, uh, uh, a trampoline-like uh, indoor park, and they would get inside a big beach ball bubble. And they would push it out on, the, on this water. And my grandkids going crazy, walking, dancing, jumping around in this bubble. All right, so I have that in my mind. You have your space, your bubble. That's your world. And you are commanded by God to take responsibility of it. That's your bubble. That's your world. Not anything and everything gets in there. All right, let me give you another analogy. Social distancing. <laughs> Ever heard of that? What is that? That's scientists telling us that you need to take control of your atmosphere. That you need to make sure that you don't let anybody and everybody get in that circle, that social distance, that bubble. Are you tracking with me? It's like, hey, you, get that mask on. Hey, hey. And wherever you go, you're saying, I'm taking responsibility for my air. Yeah. 
oh yeah, this, this is, an, and you say, Phil, is that biblical? Oh, absolutely. Simon Peter, the Bible says Simon Peter did such a great job of controlling and ruling his heir that his heir, his external responsibility of ruling the heir was so effective, the Bible says there were times when his shadow would pass people and they would get healed. How many would like to rule the air? Rule your bubble. Have such an incredible stewardship over your social distancing rule that everywhere you walked, you carried heaven with you. You walked into the world. You walked into the room. You go, you go to work. Wherever you're going, you are heaven on earth. You know, we need a lot more heaven. There's way too much hell. We need to get the hell out and the heaven in. I just like saying that. This is so important because we're, by default, we're giving up our air. See, Ephesians 2 says, when we were disobedient and we weren't walking in the light, we were under the control of the prince and power of the air. That word air doesn't mean sky. Look it up in the Greek. It doesn't mean universe. Many people think that Satan is the prince and power of the air. No, he's the prince and power of the bubble, the social distance, the shadow, the air of the disobedient. You see, Christ disarmed him, made his power of none effect. The only power Satan has is what's been given back to him by design or default. You don't have to say amen to that. That's something to think about. It's kind of like this. In Revelation, John wrote that he saw three croaking frogs. He's describing evil, and he describes them as three frogs. And he reminded me of the story of the little boy that found the frog, and he picked up the frog, and he said, I'm going to take it home, and the frog talked to him. And the frog said, little boy, if you kiss me, I'll turn into a princess. We'll get married and live happy forever. And the little boy giggled and put the frog in his pocket and started going home. And the frog jumped out and smacked the little boy and said, little boy, did you hear me? If you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess and we'll get married and live happy forever. The little boy ran home, put the frog on the dresser. And one more time, the frog said, did you hear me? If you kiss me, I'll turn into a princess and we'll get married and live happy forever. And the little eight-year-old boy says, I don't want to get married. I want a talking frog. And though it's a bit silly and certainly oversimplistic, but when you kiss the frog, you give him power to be the prince and power of your heir when in fact he has no business ruling the heir for you have been given access and authority by the Holy Spirit to rule the heir. And it's so easy in a world of so much information to get so bogged down with it. I mean, news, television, social media, 
We are inundated with so much information, so much hate, so much division, so much confusion. It's like, you know what? I've discovered I have a new theme in life. No news is good news. No, no, you didn't hear what I'm saying. No. It's like I have this addiction to listen to the news, and I'm like, you know what? No news is good news. How about I worship? How about I dwell on the goodness of the Lord? How about I let my air be filled with the Holy Spirit of peace and joy? How about I recognize that I do not have to be controlled by that which I cannot control? Ooh, that's power. I'm going to say that again. That's tweetable. You ready for that? Here it comes again. I do not have to be, I will not be controlled by that which I cannot control. I can't fix politics. I can't fix the philosophies and the, and the Trojan horses that are out there beaming and bickering over what's right and what's wrong. I can't handle it. I certainly can't fix it. All I can get is information, and information without any authority to fix it turns into frustration. So what I got to do is I got to bring it in. I got to bring it in. I got to realize I can't control all of this. And I'm not going to be controlled by what I can't control, but I'm going to keep it right here. I'm going to be the, I'm going to let Jesus be the prince and the power of my air. Come on, Jesus, get in my bubble. Come on, Holy Spirit, get in my social distance. And ultimately, I am in the world, but not of it. And I'm not saying close your eyes and bury your head in the sand. I'm saying if you rule this, then your influence will start having positive influence on everybody you touch, but it's got to start right here. I saw a movie once. I'm not saying it was theologically correct. Give me some grace here. But I thought, when I saw this movie, and then I thought about this message, I thought, this is what I want to try to tell the people. Don't try to just solve everything, discuss and debate. No, keep it right here. Watch this clip and see if you can capture what I'm trying to explain. That's what it's all about right there. See how it gets bigger? Now I'm going to start the fire. But the feet are going. I start the fire. I make the pizza. Hips are always going with the key. The Throw it away. That's not working. You hit it with this. Don't ever do that again. Do you hear me? Just expressing myself. New. <laughs> no, Mm-mm. not like that. You're not. All right. This is where you live. <laughs> right here. You live right here. Okay. This is home. There it is. I don't want to see none of that. I don't need no pizza. They got food there. Six inches 
from the waist, 90 degree angles. Don't you bite your lips, stop it. emotionally and spiritually all over the place trying to control what we can't control and I'm telling you Pentecost it's personal keep it right here I can't determine even what my wife is going to wake up and think I can't determine how my kids are going to react I don't know what's going to happen with the economy and I don't know what's going to happen with everything around me. But what I do know is I can control my air. Keep it right here. Amen? This is vital. Jesus knew how to do this. Jesus knew that the Holy Spirit could not work in him unless he could control the air. One time, there was a girl that had died. He went in the room, and the room was filled with the people that were skeptic and doubting and carrying on. And you know what Jesus did? He cleared the room. He said, get out, all of you, get out, because I got something in me, but it needs to be in the right atmosphere for me to be able to manifest it. Oh, Jesus was serious about guarding his external environment. One time he was to Simon Peter, and he told Simon Peter, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be crucified, and I'm going to be killed. And Simon Peter said, oh no, not on my watch. And you know what Jesus said to him? Get thee behind me, Satan. You know why? Simon Peter was being sentimental. He thought he was supposed to be nice. Jesus was saying, I got a mandate on my life. And don't distract me with your emotional sentiments. Not here, not now. Get behind me, Satan. Now, I'm not telling you to say that to your wife. (laughs) But I am telling you, learn how to know, 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 know. Clear the room. Clear the room. Jesus took a whip. And Jesus took a little passion. He tipped the tables, cracked the whip, and cleared the temple. Let me tell you something. If you want the Holy Spirit to be more engaged in your life, take responsibility of your external. Learn how to get worship music on. Learn how to create a positive atmosphere. Learn how to put a gate up so you can protect your Holy Spirit and project the kind of atmosphere that you want to be a part of in changing our world. Does that make sense to you? Internal, internal is is the temple in your temple. You got to watch the way you think. I say it this way, pause before you think. Because once you think it, you have already set a tone For as a man thinketh, so is he. Sometimes I think we can get away with our negative thoughts. I think sometimes we think our thoughts are private and they have no impact on our ruling the air. But in fact, they do. Every thought has a consequence. Years ago, Jeannie and I were on a diet and we we were holding ourselves accountable to each other, what we were eating. 
At the end of the day, she would tell me what she ate. I would tell her what I ate. And throughout the day, you knew you had to be careful because at the end of the day, you would be accountable, right? But one day, I was preaching in L.A., and I had to pass an In-N-Out burger. You don't know what an In-N-Out burger is, but when you get to heaven, you will. The first night, I was cool. I passed it. Second night, I slowed down real slow so I could smell the smell of it. The third night, I decided to get off this path and just drive by it so I could vicariously enjoy a double-double. That's two patties, fresh fries where they take a potato, and right in front of you, they turn it into fries, and you watch it fresh right there. And of course, I'd always get a Diet Coke. (laughs) And as I drove by slowly, I blacked out. I must have, because the next thing I knew, I was in line. (laughs) And a car was behind me. I actually changed my voice. I said, "I'll, I'll take a number one. Animal style, with a Diet Coke. I got home that night, I thought, boy, I'm going to be busted. I took my, bar, my, my stuff, and I, stu- I didn't put it in the garbage, I stuffed it. I moved the trash, <laughs> stuffed it. Put a mint in my mouth, went to bed. Next morning, what'd you eat? I told her what I ate, but not all that I had eaten. She got on the scale, she lost a pound. I got on the scale, I gained a pound. But God loves me so much, he won't let me get away with anything. Later that day, my wife had realized she threw away the wrong portion of the bill. She went in the garage, went in the garbage, looking for that. Busted! Here's my point. You can't sit there and beat up on yourself. You can't go down dark paths. You can't lay in bed saying, I'm a loser, I'm no good, my life is worthless. You can't think negative thoughts and think that somehow it won't weigh you down, that it won't show up somewhere. Jesus said, the secrets of your heart will be shouted on the rooftop. That wasn't God saying, I'm going to be a tattletale. He was telling you the power of your thoughts and that whatever it is that you're dealing with secretly will ultimately expose itself. So you know what? Pause before you think. Rule the air take control. And if it's not true, if it's not honest, if it's not of good report, if it's not praiseworthy, then don't think on these things. Think on that which is true, honest, good, of good report. Take responsibility over your internal, your mind and your thoughts. And lastly, if you'll put the gate up, if you'll make sure that your internal world is healthy and whole. Then there is a God space. There is a holy place. In the image of the tabernacle, it's only 15 feet by 15 feet by 15 feet. It's not big. What the Holy Spirit wants in your life is not to be number one. The Holy Spirit is not looking to dominate. The Holy Spirit is just looking to Not eliminate your humanity, but elevate it. Not compete with your humanity, but complete your humanity. The Holy Spirit is simply saying, let me lead you, guide you. Let my aroma, my power, let my perspective have a place at the table. You see, heaven is more than just a place. Heaven is a perspective that helps you see through things and see things through. Heaven is a presence of Almighty God dwelling inside 
you. The Ark of the Covenant now rests inside you. And in a world that intoxicates our flesh, our humanity stimulates our five senses, we become numb and number to our spirit into where we literally ignore it. But on Pentecost Sunday and tonight, we're saying, Holy Spirit, fill us, refresh us, stir up inside, come up on us. Because now more than ever, in a world where the atmosphere is filled with confusion and division and pain and hurt and certainly fear, we need to rule the air. And that's what Pentecost is about. It's personal. It's about your world. And so I pray that for you today. Father, I ask you to awaken us today. For many of us, even though we've been walking with Jesus like the disciples, we've never been, never even known, never even made time to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some of us that have received, excuse me, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we need a renewing. We need to go back and we need to find that spring of living water and let it come forth up on us. It's been a weary season. I'm so tired. Soon now, they tell us we're going to get back to normal. But I need something to happen inside me. I need something to happen in me so that my thinking can be renewed and my external can come to peace. I need to clear some things out of my head and I need to clear some people and ideas out of my bubble. And I need to take accountability and rule the air for this is my season where God's grace is going to come in ways beyond measure. Would you take your hands like this if you don't mind? If not comfortable, you don't have to. But I'd like you to take your hands like this. And my time is, I'm in overtime, but I want to close with this prayer. Watch me as I'm kind of prophesying, praying over you. So can I have your eyes? Can you look at me with your hands like this? Your hands are your heart, and I'm asking God to fill you with his Holy Spirit, to put a hunger in your heart for the Holy Spirit, and to recognize that you have access to a part of God that David and Moses and the prophets and the kings didn't. And I'm asking God to just awaken that inside you. Now, you must clear the temple because God can be grieved and he can be quenched. So there may be some things that need to be let go of and you may need to crack the whip and you may need to clear the room. And so watch me now. You see your hands like this? Do this with me, please. Turn them like this. Now let it go. If it's not good, if it's not holy, if it's not pure and positive, if it drains you, if it takes away your strength, if it makes you weary, if it's heavy, it's the wrong yoke. For his burden is easy and his yoke is light. Let it go. Let's, let's surrender our opinions. Let's not worry about who's right and who's wrong. Let's just let the Holy Spirit lead and guide us. 
Now turn your hands back over again. May you receive the Holy Spirit. And on Pentecost Sunday, when we wake up tomorrow morning, may we be able to say, I've had my own Pentecost. It's not a denomination. It's personal. And today was my day. Now fulfill that in Jesus' name. I love you, and I can't wait to see you in a few hours. God bless you.